Welcome to Vantage Point, a weekly podcast aimed to provide insight, perspective, and keys to daily living through the lens of God. We are so pleased you decided to tune in, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Now, please welcome the host of Vantage Point, Nick Ruffin. Welcome to Vantage Point Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Ruffin, and we are starting a brand new series today. If it's your first time listening, welcome. I hope you stay connected with us through Facebook at Vantage Point Podcast or on our website, www.vantagepointpodcast.us. Feel free to check out past episodes and other information on those links. For those that have been with me, welcome back. My prayer is that this new series provides you new perspective, insight, and challenges you to take different views on areas in your life and your walk with God. For this new series, I want to focus on two words, what if. I believe God will use anything to bring a message and give revelation to people, and for this series, he used YouTube. And for those that know me, I'm a big YouTube watcher, and I probably watch more YouTube than actual TV. Not only do I watch videos, I also subscribe to several channels. And one channel I subscribe to is actually called What If, and their focus is on sometimes hypothetical but often realistic scenarios. And in those situations, they ask the question, what if? For instance, one clip asked the question, what if a million people stormed Area 51? And maybe a more realistic question is, what if we have flying cars? So in this series, we're going to take a different view on what if. But before we go deep, I want to lay a foundation for the series and provide some insight into the word if. Looking at the definition of if, it's labeled as a conjunction, which is a word used to connect clauses or sentences or to coordinate words in the same clause. The definition is introducing a conditional clause or the condition or supposition that. For example, if you have a complaint, write to the director. Another way to view if is despite the possibility that or no matter what. And that example is if it takes me seven years, I will do it. If can also be labeled as a noun and viewed as a condition or stipulation. For example, the question depends on too many what-ifs. Now take a minute and think about how we use the word if. I wonder do we diminish its weight in our usage? Think about situations we face today as people, and not white or black or brown people problems, but people problems like finances, relationships, health, sin, and other things that cause stress. A lot of times we treat if like a footnote to our sorrow. If things were better, if things were done differently. But what if we didn't let our situations define us? What if we allow God, who is bigger than those things, stand in the gap? I want this series to help you redefine and reshape how we view things and begin to look at them in a new way. We'll take a few different angles as we go through this series, but they'll all have us reshaping where and how what ifs fit. The word if is actually one of the most important words in the Bible. In keeping with the outline definition, we just covered that the word connects clauses and sentences. The word brings statements to completion. We've all heard pastors or professors talk about the most frequent words in the Bible, but rarely do we hear which words carry the most weight. For instance, the word Lord appears between 7,000 and 8,000 times, depending on translation. If you add conjunctions, the word and appears over 20,000 times. And in talking about frequency, the word if, depending on translation, appears in the Bible anywhere from 1,500 to 1,700 times. So how do we quantify importance of these words? How can we look at the word if and say it's one of the most important words in the Bible? 
One reason if has so much importance is that it speaks directly to our responsibility to God. Any word or words that speak to our responsibility to God should carry weight. Most promises in the Bible have conditions, and the word if speaks to those conditions. Our responses to God's command affects our relationship with him and determines our receiving from him. Look at it this way. Jesus used the word if a lot. Almost half the occurrences of if in the New Testament, which is between 450 and 600, occur in the four Gospels. Another thing to consider is when we read the word if, it's most often an indicator that something important is coming up. It serves as a precursor in scripture to major keys to our lives. Now, I want you to remember this formula, which is something I came across in studying for this series. Now, I may butcher the formula a little bit because I see it as an algebra equation. So you remember in algebra class when the teacher would write something like 4x equals 12, or we put the x in parentheses, right? So we have to figure out x. And for this example, I'll save you the time, x equals 3. For our equation, it reads this way. If x equals God's will, and our x is in parentheses, what is x? Remember, the if speaks to our part in God's promises, so the x in our formula is man does. So if man does, God will. One thing to note is that oftentimes religion messes up this equation because it takes the if off man and places it on God. Religion says if God will, man does. God never meant for the if to be in his lap. People say things like, if God will do this, I'll do my part. And God's sitting in heaven like, if you do your part, I'll do mine. So this becomes a stalemate or standoff. And man keeps saying that God, if you will, and God is saying, if you do, I will. So this creates friction in the relationship of God and man. And man ultimately becomes bitter and angry with God because he thinks God won't do. And man ultimately acts in his own power. But when we read through scripture, God is telling us, or Jesus, and Jesus is telling us even, if you will do your part, I'll do mine. I'm waiting on you to obey. I've already stated my part, and you can see it, but you won't get it until. Even salvation has a condition, has an if. Romans 10.9 says, if you declare with your heart Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That might be the most important if in scripture, and some religions will have you think that if you do good works and you're a nice person, you're saved and going to heaven, but my God tells me something different. I had to come to that decision myself, just like many of you, is that in order for me to be saved from myself, I had to believe that Jesus is Lord. When we quote scriptures, we often leave out our part, which negates the if. Deuteronomy 28.13 is a major scripture many people say and leave out the if. And that scripture reads, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you only will be above and you will not be underneath. And most people stop right there. I mean, that sounds great, right? We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. But we're mean to people. Or we treat people differently. Or we don't believe what we say. And then honestly, before this message... I thought that was the whole scripture, as I'm sure many people do, because that's all we hear. And that's why we shouldn't take scriptures that people say as what it is. We have to go do our own research. We have to go do our own reading to get the fullness of the scripture. And what that scripture actually says is, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you will be above and not beneath if 
you listen to the commandments of your Lord, your God, which I charge you today to observe them carefully. So wait, you mean I play a part in being the head and not the tail? God just won't do that for me? This is where scripture becomes vital to our lives and we can't truncate or cut it to fit us and just be on the positive side and only show God's part. Another scripture to consider is Mark 9:23. Jesus encounters a boy brought by his father who is possessed by a spirit. The spirit is taking the speech of the young boy. The father explains that the spirit often throws the boy into convulsions and makes him foam at the mouth. In verse 19, Jesus tells the father to bring the boy to him. I want to start at verse 20, which reads, So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Verse 21, Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. Verse 22, the father's still talking. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Now that sounds a lot like us in our own situations. If you can do anything, God, I mean anything. And you can tell in Jesus' response that he even was like, really? Verse 23, Jesus says, if you can, says Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Jesus is saying to the Father, it's not if I can, it's if you believe. Remember, if with man does equals God's will. In verse 24, the Father immediately said, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Jesus rebukes the spirit from the boy and he was healed. In John chapter 11, we find several ifs that deal with the same things we've talked about so far. We also find another scripture very popular around Easter. John eleven twenty five 25 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. If you highlight John eleven twenty five 25 on version, it only captures the part I just read. I am the resurrection and the life. But reading the verse further, it says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. This ties back to salvation and having everlasting life if we confess and believe. Later in John 11, after the death of Lazarus, Jesus makes his way to Mary and Martha. Clearly they are distraught over the death of their brother, and Martha, hearing that Jesus is coming, went to meet him. Verse 21 says, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha seemed like she's blaming Jesus for not being present, and again, this sounds like many people today. God, if you would have done your part, this would never have happened. Yet Martha knows and believes in his ability, because in verse 23 she says, But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Later on in the chapter, Mary comes out and meets Jesus and says the same thing. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. One thing to remember that even in our darkest moments, our deepest struggles, we may say something like this, God, if you only, God, if you didn't let this happen. I mean, even people around Mary and Martha asked in verse 37, could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man have kept this man from dying? Sometimes God has to let something happen to regain our attention because what Jesus is about to do in John 11 will reaffirm what these people already knew about him. Their moment of despair and sorrow has them off focus but Jesus is about to reassert himself in their lives. 
Again, remember the formula. If with man does leads to God will. Stating in verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead men, by this time there has been a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Verse 40 says, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? I want to pause quickly and say that sometimes God is waiting for us to remove the stone, even while we're begging him to do it. Jesus could have easily moved the stone. But if I made the stone was a physical representation of their belief, and as the stone was removed, which affirmed their belief in him, Jesus called to his Father in heaven, and then in a loud voice spoke Lazarus back to life. At the beginning of this episode, I said I wanted this series to challenge you to think differently about situations and your walk with God. This doesn't mean you won't be human in those moments. We all go through those things that have us sounding like Martha or Mary or the father of the boy. Those moments are tough and just hard to deal with, but we can't allow our moments to dictate our belief. Jesus even had a moment of this prior to going to the cross in the garden. In Matthew 26, verse 39, it reads, Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. But instead of staying in that moment of despair, Jesus' next words were, Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. What if we took a lesson from Jesus and in the moment of questioning our belief, we answered it with truth. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Get connected by following us on Facebook at Vantage Point Podcast. Have a question or want to give feedback? Click the send email button to share your thoughts with Nick. We'll see you next week on Vantage Point.